Good to see everybody. Hey, let's say hi to everybody, all the other campuses, Aberdeen, Edgewood, Abingdon. Can we just welcome everybody in? Online folk, glad you're with us. It's going to be hard for you to believe this, but when I was a much, 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 much younger man, I was actually pretty speedy back in the day, you know? Once in a while, I find myself in like a relay race. You know how that works? You got a couple people and you're passing the baton, right? So a lot of times, like, I'd sometimes be like the third or fourth runner. And you know what happens, right? What do you do when the race starts? The gun sounds and the first guy takes off. And he's got running with that baton and he's running away from you around the track. And you, you're just kind of waving. You're just kind of shaking. It's kind of loosening up and getting ready. And then you see him slowing down a little bit. But then he hands off that baton to the next person who takes off. And he's running around, running around, running around. And then it's coming around to you. It's coming around to you. So you're getting excited a little bit, right? You're watching, you're watching, you're watching. You kind of, you kind of, and then you, start, then you start running in place a little bit, right? You start running in place. And eventually you're going to put that hand back, right? And then there's a moment where you're running almost full speed. And then you feel that slap of the baton in the palm of your hand. Boom. And now you got it. What do you do? <laughs> you run with it, right? Come on. You run with it. You, don't, you certainly don't like stand there and go, what's this? Right? Because the, the race is, the, you know, it doesn't matter how you start a race. It's how you, yeah. And, and, and so it really does matter. And that, that, this is exactly where we are as a church. And the reason I gave that silly illustration is it's pretty much where we are. It's where you have an opportunity right now to run with it, which when you think about it, in your life of faith is one of the coolest opportunities ever. Like here's a moment when there's something at stake where you have an invitation from God to really run with it. As a church, collectively, as a whole church, a year ago, we identified like 16 items that we knew were really close to the heart of God that all really mattered, ministry difference-making things. And we said, let's do that. Let's just dive in and, and do it together. It's unstoppable good. And, and so here we are one year later. What God has done over the last year is amazing, but now it's come around the track whether you feel it or not, there's a baton in your hand, and it's your moment to run with it. My invitation to you is that you would really just think about this. Like, what would it look like for you to, to run with it right now? Like, to pray, like, more fervently and authentically in your life over the next few weeks. To... Read the scriptures more hungrily, you know, to, to serve God more freely, to give financially more generously, to, to worship more intently and freely. You know, the, these, are, these are the symptoms and the markers of a person who's like, all right, I'm, I'm really in, that you would just lean in and say, you know, what's my part, Lord, and what what you have for me. That's what we're asking of everyone to do is to kind of think about all that. We have actually uh, some guidebooks for this series. So if you brought yours, good job. You get a star and a crown in heaven for that. If you did not bring yours, we're going to put a QR code up here. Um, if, you, if you forgot yours, if you were not here last week or didn't get one, raise your hand real quick and people are coming down the aisle. They're going to hand you one. You want one. They're really cool. They have a lot of great information in them. 
And um, there's also a commitment card, which you can set aside and use. We're going to use that as a spiritual tool in a couple weeks. But this, this, this guidebook has probably a, a really full expression of our vision, what we said we were going to try to do, and what in fact happened over the last year, and then um, a bunch of other stuff, and a little uh, leakage about what's happening with our next project that we're going to undertake. Also, um, that QR code right up here, if you snap a picture of that, you'll get the electronic version of some stuff. Last week, we... Um, we showed a video, and if you didn't see the video, you really, it's also, you can get it on that website. It's on our website, but that's the easiest way to get there is that QR code. And um, it's the most complete vision video we've done in a long time. So I encourage you to watch that video. It's long, but it's worth it. And, uh, and then also this number here, if you want to get a daily devotion, uh, we're kind of, we started last week. It'll pop into your phone every day at 8 a.m., a little scripture, a little um, a prayer guide, and a question to kind of think about that'll unite our hearts together. We're just trying to find as many ways as we can to, um, to grow together over the next few weeks um, in this Run With It series, okay? Sound good? So everyone got your guidebooks. Uh, bring them back every week. You can open your guidebook to page 31, where we're jumping in today, a place to take notes in there. Um, we're going to dive in. We've been learning some life lessons and some spiritual truths from one of the all-time greats in the Bible. Who are we learning from? Abraham. And Abraham taught us some good lessons last week. Um, let me remind us of a couple of those. We'll catch everyone up and also review for the rest of us. Um, one of the things we learned is that God calls Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and he says, I need you to leave everything you know and love and go to a far-off land that I'm going to show you. And it's a reminder that often God's going to call you to change. Whatever, whatever comfort zone we get into, often God wants to pull us out of that in order for us to really follow and trust him. And there's probably something that all of us right now could appoint to that we need to leave behind in order to follow God. God says, I, I need you to go, and I, I want you to be, I'm, I'm going to bless you. He doesn't say where he's taking him, but he does say why. And he says, I'm going to bless you, and then he says, here's why, so that you can be a blessing. Are you guys even here? Hello? What's the matter with you people? I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. There you go. Whenever God blesses you, it's not for your own benefit. It's so that the blessings can come not just to you, but through you to someone else. And that's just what we learned last week as well. There was a third lesson that we saw in the, in the life of Abraham. And by the way, spoiler alert, the Son of God, the Messiah, did come through Abraham as a blessing to everyone. Um, we noticed also that as he was going to Canaan, he was on his way and he was following and they were going, but then it says in, in, in chapter 11 that they just stopped they got halfway there and stopped. It was a good reminder for all of us how often we do that too. We're moving, we're going, and then we just don't, we just stop. And it's an encouragement not to settle for almost there, half-baked, mediocre faith where we just settle, but instead keep going. Don't forget the growth in the faith that God has called you to in the past. So we learned a lot of these life lessons. And then there's that last truth in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, where it says, Abram heard all this stuff that God asked him to do, and, he, and it says, he did it. And I just love that, the simplicity of it. Wouldn't it be great if, if we could say about you and me that God called you to do something and you did it? 
like you just obeyed, you just did whatever, you trusted God enough. That's what I want to focus on today, is this idea of trust. Let me ask you, do you trust God? Do you trust God? I mean, this is a a million-dollar question. So much of our life changes when we actually trust God. I'd like you to think about that question. We're going to listen and learn from Abraham today. He struggled in this, but eventually he found faith. And in the New Testament, looking back on his life, it summarizes in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 8, it summarizes the whole life of Abraham. And here's what it says in 11.8. It says, it was, what's the word? In the New Testament, when you see the word faith, you can th- it, it does not mean like they understood some stuff and agreed to it doctrinally. That's not what faith is. In the Bible, you can substitute the word belief or trust. Belief, trust, or faith. It's a relational term, and that's what that word faith means. It means that it was the fact that he was finally able to trust in God. It was that he believed that God is who he said he was that made Abraham finally, what? Obey. You can't obey God and do what he asked you to do if you don't trust him. It was that he trusted God that, that, so that when God called him, you can't, you can't fulfill your calling in your life if you don't trust God. Uh, and again, when God called him to go out to a country which God promised, you won't believe the promises of God for one minute if you don't trust God. See what I'm saying? Trust is everything. In the next verse, and the end of that verse, it says, um, which God promised to give him, and he left his own country without knowing where he was going to go in a place and do something that you don't have everything all figured out ahead of time, you will never do unless, what? You trust God. See how important faith is? So the question, do you trust God, isn't like, do you believe a bunch of stuff on paper where you could get it right on a test? Trust is evidenced in the way we live. And it was trust that was required for Abraham because God says, I need you to pick up and move. And he comes home and you you picture the scene, right? He says, you know, Sarah, we're we're, we're leaving tomorrow morning. He's like, great, we're going to Hawaii. Where are we going? He's like, no, um, actually, I don't know where we're going. What's going on? He says, well, God talked to me. Oh, well, did he now? You know, she says, this sounds intense. And he's like, yeah, about that, um, we're going to be living in tents for a while. You know, so it's like, I mean, it's crazy. It's way, way out there. And, and uh, they don't know where they're going to settle. No, Sarah, I've not been drinking. So it's, it's, it's this big thing. How can we, when we're in a situation like that, learn to trust God more? Here's the big idea for today. We'll put it on the screen. Say it with me, William. Once we get it up there, slide, here it is. Say it with me. God is faithful despite our failures, and we are to be faithful despite our fears. God, God has, we just sang about it a minute ago. God has been so faithful, even when we're not, even when we mess up. He's still faithful, and he calls you then and me, he calls us to be faithful, even when something's scary to us, even when what he's asking us to do seems impractical or impossible or scary or we don't feel in control or we're not really sure God will come through. Those are the times when we're asked, when it's difficult, when we're asked to really trust God. For Abraham, this promise came, I'm going to make you a great nation. He's old. He's like, it didn't make any sense. I don't have any kids. What are you talking about? And God's like, I know that's what it looks like. I need to know if you can trust me. I'm going to start a family through you, and you might have to wait a few years. I know it's impractical. I know it's impossible, but one day you will be blessed, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. 
Do you trust God or not? That's one reason I love this Run With It initiative, is it's an opportunity for all of us to decide if we trust God. It's, it, there's nothing more impractical than what we're asking of ourselves. You know, we're saying, would you be willing to, to give time, talent, and treasure to a God that you can't see for unstoppable good that some people think is ridiculous? Do you trust God that much? Time is our most valuable commodity. You wouldn't give that up for something unless you trusted there was something on the other side of it. So we're going to talk about that today. Abraham faces a test. How many of you love tests as, as kids? Yeah? We've got our high school section over here. Uh, you guys like tests? No? You guys want some dad jokes? Yeah, because the one time I had to take a test, um, it was a, a test for, I was trying to get licensed as a, a, to run, to operate fireworks. Yeah, but I passed with flying colors. Come on, no, that's funnier than you're making it sound. Yeah, one time I tried my hand at cosmetology, but I slept through the exam, so I had to do a makeup test. Get it? See? So wake that one kid up there who's still sleeping. Is... Did you hear about the psychic who had to go take a test? And he completely failed the whole thing. Yeah, didn't see that coming. So there you go. All right, so anyway, tests, tests, tests. I'm talking about tests. So when you take a test in life that's outside the classroom like that, you can be sure that God is trying to teach you something. And the main thing he's trying to teach you is to trust him. When you face a test, God is teaching us to trust. Okay? So you can be thinking right now, because I guarantee you, in your life, there is a test. It's an opportunity to think about the faithfulness of God and what he's done in the past, his track record in your life. And there's an opportunity to trust him or to say, I don't know if it'll work this time. And as you grow in faith, oh man, life just gets better and better. So how does our friend Abram do? How does our Bible hero guy do? Does he display amazing heroic acts of obedience and faithfulness and a string of faith victories one after another? Can you say, um, no, say, um, no, go ahead. Um, no, get used to saying that because that's kind of how it is with Abraham. No sooner had God called Abraham, Abram says, okay, got it, God, I got the whole promise. We're ready to go. You're going to give me a nation. Okay, we're going to go. And he starts going. And then all of a sudden there's a famine. So he's like, oh, I can't go where I better go to Egypt because that's the only place left where there's food. So he has a detour right out the gate. Now, when life throws a detour at you and things aren't going as planned, do you still trust God? Yeah. I mean, we know the answer is supposed to be yes, but do we? Because here's the, here's the, here's the, you know, Newsflash, kiddos, listen up. All of life is one detour after another, okay? Like that's what it is. You, you learn it when you're, when you're a little kid. It's like, oh, I didn't get the cool kindergarten teacher. I got the dumb one. Oh, great. Detour, guess what? It just never stops. You have another detour. You know, you lose a friend. You know, another detour. Oh, you know, and then you, you get to high school, and it's like just hypothetically you learn you're not going to be 6'4 and play in the NFL. Detour. You change your college major four or five times, you wind up not getting married, or you end up getting married, but to that person, detour. Mm-hmm. There's detours, and then tragedy strikes, or the economy crashes, or my son, he, he, uh, he's a, he writes code. He moves to Silicon Valley. Why? Because it's the place where it's the easiest to get a job writing code, and let, except Google laid off 12,000 people, and now it's the worst place in the world to get a job as a coder. So detour, it's like all of life is that way. What, you're going through one right now, aren't you? There's a detour. Here's the question. There's a constant list of detours and roadblocks. The question is, will you trust God in the detour? 
And this is a test for Abraham. So we'll see how he does. Genesis chapter 12, 1 and 2, God says, go, Abraham, let's go. Skip down to verse 11. Here's what happens. Verse 11 of chapter 12. As he was about to enter Egypt, Abraham gets a little nervous. He says to his wife, Sarai, hey, uh, you're looking, I'm going to paraphrase, uh, you're looking remarkably beautiful today, Sarai, because he's, you know, he's so considerate of her, right? Yes, what a beautiful woman you are, yes. When the, but I, I, I just want to think, I'm thinking here, when the Egyptians see what a smoking hot wife you are, they're going to want to kill me, and they're going to let you live. So what does he say next? He says... He says, say you are my sister. This is a great plan. Just, just pretend we're traveling together like sibs so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. I mean, do you see what's going on here? Are you picking up what's happening here? God says, Abraham, here's the plan. Trust me. I got this. I got you. I'm going to work this plan. But the first scary detour he comes to, he completely bails and he goes, well, God's clearly not going to get care of this. I'm going to have to figure this out on my own. I got a plan. We'll do this Jerry Springer thing where we act like we're brother's sister and it's crazy town. I mean, it's like, what happened? It makes you wonder, like, could you say to Abraham, Abraham, seriously, you, you think God's going to, like, give you a, an, all these descendants, as many as the stars in the sky, but, and you think he's going to walk you down the road and kill you right off the bat? Abraham does not pass the trust test very well. How do you do in your trust test when you get scared, when you hit a detour? And it doesn't just happen once. It actually happens a bunch of times. Fascinating. Through fear, fear that rises up in Abraham, he drops the ball on his, on his walk of faith. Genesis chapter 16. Remember now the promise is very clear. You're going to have a baby and you're going to have a family. It's going to spread. Well, years go by and he doesn't have any kids. And what Abraham says is, you know what? It's all in God's timing. I'm just going to patiently trust. Is that what Abraham said? Can you say, um, no. No. Because actually he doesn't say that. Here's what happens. Chapter 16, verse 2. Sarah comes to him and she says this. I know you think the Lord's going to give us kids, but here's what's happening. The Lord is actually keeping me from having kids. It's his fault. So I got a better idea. Here's what we're going to do. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. God says, I'm going to give you children. Sarah says, no, he's not going to do this. I got to take this into my own hands. I'm going to have to build this family myself. And I can't have any kids. I'm an old, I'm an old woman. So Abraham, we've got this young house servant, Hagar. Why don't you just go sleep with her and maybe she can bury a child. And Abraham said, oh, no, Sarah, first of all, I would never do that to you and to us. And second of all, We've got to fulfill God's promise by just waiting patiently. Is that what, do you suppose that's what Abraham said? Can you say, um, no, that's not at all what he said. Check out what he says. Chapter 16, verse 2, he basically says, um, okay. <laughs> Sounds like a, bruh, like, what are you thinking? Can't you see him? Well, honey, I know Hagar's this 20-year-old something that, you know, lives with us, and I'm personally way more attracted to 80-year-old women like you, but if you're asking me to do this. I guess I could take one for the team. <laughs> Just this once, I'll give it a shot. You know, it's like, come on, dude, seriously. This is where our Bible hero guy would say, Sarah, I would, you're the only woman for me, and I would not think of it. Let's trust God to provide. But instead of his indiscretion and his immorality, he sleeps with this girl, 
has a baby named Ishmael. If that sounds familiar, it might remind you that it created some tension in that family, which grew to tension in the world, which is still in the news this week. And that started with tension under that one roof. Here's Abraham and Sarah and their little baby Ishmael and his mistress. How's that supposed to work out? Is that going to be a happy little Brady Bunch there? I don't think so. We don't always think of the consequences. And Abraham, that's not the worst of his mistake. The other thing is he's so spineless, what does he do? He just walks away and says, you ladies work it out. And he leaves his bitter, revengeful wife Sarah to take it out and make life miserable for this young woman who was only doing what she was asked to do in the first place. It's another failure of Abraham. You turn into the next chapter, chapter 17. God comes to Abraham to reassure him and renew his promise to say, I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. I got this. And Abraham says, Lord, now I do believe. I trust. Do you suppose that's what Abraham said? Um, no. Abraham, in fact, doesn't say anything. You know what he does in this instance? He laughs. He scoffs right in God's face. Not like a, oh, this is a great cat video laugh, but like a scoffing, cynical, ha! <laughs> kind of laugh. You ever done that? Where you protect yourself because you're not sure you can trust God, so you just kind of <laughs> laugh it off like, yeah, right. Like that's ever going to happen because it's easier to act that way and be cool than it is to risk trusting God when you're not sure. And when we're afraid, we laugh cynically at the impossible and the impractical. And then over in chapter 20, Abraham runs into another king, and he's scared again, and he's afraid he's going to get killed. So he says, I know, Sarah, we'll do the whole you lie about being my sister thing again because it worked so well the first time. When we sin and fail against God, it's one thing, but when we keep going back to that same sin or same failure, it seems like a deeper failure, doesn't it? Now, let me just ask you, in a wicked, sort of strange, backward way, aren't you a little bit relieved to find out how screwed up Abraham was? Like, seriously? Like, doesn't it make you feel a little better about yourself? Like, good grief, me, he's maybe a little more like me than I thought. I mean, and I think that's part of why it's all here in the Bible, to remind us that Abraham, so full of flaws and failures and fears, and sometimes lack of faith is the one that eventually found his faith because he just decided to trust God. And it reminds us that you're facing a test right now, and when you do, it's a chance to learn to trust God. So, what's your test of trust right now? What's going on in your life? And you have to decide, are you going to trust God or not? Unstoppable Good will give you one of those ways it's a call to step up and to be involved in ways that are scary for some of you. To actually, you know, to risk praying some things and serving and giving of your time and being generous. And the question is, will you trust God enough to do that? You know, the sad truth is that most people who have a, some kind of Christianity don't actually do so in a way that requires any faith. We just keep it surface level. Most people don't give in a way that requires any trust in, in God to provide because we got it all worked out. We're just skimming off the top, giving God a little, little 
little morsel. We don't, love, we don't dare to love people in a way that's scary to us, that requires God to help us love our enemies like Jesus commanded. Because we just love our friends. It's easier, see, because we don't trust God enough. We don't serve very often in ways that actually, you know, would change our lifestyle because we prefer our safe, controlled, calculated, comfortable ways of living. That's why Abraham lied about his wife being his sister. He didn't trust God. That's why he had adultery with this young gal. He didn't trust God. And there's probably some shortcut you and I are all being tempted to take right now because our trust in God is what's at stake. So how you doing in your trusting of God through what you're going through right now? Are you offering it to him, waiting on him? Or are you more tempted to keep it safe and controlled and calculated? Te tests are meant to change us, you know, change the way we trust and serve. And again, I keep saying it, but that's why this Unstoppable Good Run With It initiative is such a good opportunity because it, it, it's one of the areas that you can be tested in is, is in your generosity. And I know a lot of people, you know, get squeamish whenever anyone, especially a preacher, mentions anything about generosity, and I get that. I get the giving thing is a reactionary thing for a lot of people. But my job is to stand up here and tell you, if you want to grow in your trust of God, the reason God keeps talking about the giving thing in the Bible is because he knows that you probably won't fully trust God until you can trust him with every part of your life, including your finances. And so then you have this opportunity to be generous toward the things of God in a way that you already know, you're guaranteed it's going to make a big impact. The question is, will you do it and really trust God? So, you know, somebody asked me this question one time. They said, Ben, if you were God, would you give you more money? After I had to think about it a little bit, but then I thought, yeah, that's a great question. Because it's about trust. Like, can God trust me? And I like to think, well, yeah, you know, try me. <laughs> but the question is, you know, how I'm investing that really makes a difference. What would God, if God, if you were God, would you give you more money? It's a question of trust. So, very convicting uh, opportunity for us. All right. I want to I leave you with one last thought that I think is really cool, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's a little strange from the text. This is one of those Old Testament texts, comes from a really different culture, a really different time and place, but it will help us learn to trust God despite our fears. Here's the statement I'll make. Confidence to risk for God, okay, comes from comprehending the commitment of God. So if we want to grow in our faith to actually, you know, step out and risk some stuff for God, how do we do that? How do we actually trust God? Well, when we really understand how much God has committed to us, when you realize how faithful God has been to you, and he's just been faithful over and over and again, even when you didn't give him credit for it, it, it despite our failures, then even in the face of our fears, you can find your faith. Does that make sense? So let's get back to Genesis 15. We find this very strange but powerful lesson. Abraham is going through one of his times of doubt. He's like, I don't know, God, I don't know. So God generously comes and speaks to him. Genesis 15, verse 1. God comes to him and says, Abraham, don't be afraid. I will be your shield. I'll be a very great reward. I'm there for you. And Abraham says, wow, thanks, God. Now I, I was getting nervous, but now I'm good. Is that what he says? Um, no. Instead, verse 3, Abram says, well, thanks, God, for all that reassurance, but you've actually given me no kids yet. You said you were going to give me kids. You didn't. Whenever we say, thanks, God, but, 
It's a voice of fear usually rising up on us, right? So God graciously gives an object lesson here, and he takes him outside. Verse 5 says, look up at the sky, count all those stars, if you could even do that, and, and that's how many your offspring is going to be. And I know right now you've only got this, this one kid. And God says, um, I know you don't have kids. I know you're old. I know it's getting difficult, but this is going to happen, Abram. And then in what might be one of the most important verses in all of the Bible, it says, uh, what's that next verse? Genesis 15, verse 8, maybe? Whatever the next verse is. Go to the, here it is. Verse 6. Here it is. And Abram, what? Believed. He had faith. He trusted in God, the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. He believed. He trusted. That's what God was looking for from Abraham. And it's what God is looking for from you. Like, will you trust God? Not, it, it doesn't say, you know, God was looking for him to not have any flaws. It doesn't say God's looking for us to sort of not have any failures. It, it, it's saying, despite all those flaws and failures, God is still faithful and you can trust him. He's not looking for flawless people. Isn't that good news? He's not looking for, for people who have never failed. He's looking for people who in the face of fear will have faith anyway. That's a, that's a, it's a really important point. So it says Abraham believed God. Now surely, based on this verse, we know now Abraham's rock-solid faith and no matter what, he's never going to waver, right? Can you say, um, no? <laughs> God promised to deliver on his word and give Abraham his land and family. And then verse 8 Here's what it says. He says, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? He's still got doubts. He's still asking. In other words, he's asking, how can I know I can trust you, God? You haven't done everything I wanted you to do when I wanted you to do it. And he's also asking, how can I know I can trust me after all the mess-ups I have? What if, what if I screw up? And this is, this is behind every wrestling of doubt we all have. How can I trust God? How can I trust me? So God does something next, which is so bizarre and important, and impo just stay with me, because this is really, really important, and I know it's, it's a really difficult part of the Old Testament, but just stay with me. Summarizing Genesis 15, verses 9 and 10, God says, okay, bring me some animals, and he mentions them, a cow, a goat, a ram, a dove, and a pigeon, okay? He says, cut them in half, and their blood's going to flow, and you're going to put them in a gully like this ditch, and let their river flow down there like a river of blood, and we're like, what? But all those people would have recognized exactly what was going on, because this is the, the ritual that they would go through to, to strike a binding agreement. In our culture, if we want to guarantee for something, we don't do that. What would we do? We would have a contract and put it in writing, right? Someone says, I'll fix your bathroom for you. And you say, how much? They say, oh, it's only $4 million. And you're like, oh, great. That sounds like a deal. Thanks. And then you say, could you put it in writing, right? So when they come back later and say, hey, you know, tile at Home Depot was more expensive. It's actually going to be $5 million. You can say, wait, look at what I've got in writing here. Well, that's what's going on in this passage is the way they established a binding contract or covenant was by cutting open a few animals because animals were a symbol of their livelihood. It showed how serious they were about it. And then they would walk through that little miniature river of blood and it splashed up on their robe and left a mark as if they were saying, if I don't keep this covenant, may this happen to me. 
It was a blood oath. The Hebrew word for covenant literally means to cut. We still use that phrase, cut a covenant today, don't we? It was a binding contract, and even your life was on the line. Now, I don't know if this is still a good way to do business or not. If someone comes and offers to paint your house, I don't know if you should take them out in the back and say, I got some animals out here. Would you mind? We'll get this on our pants. No, I don't, I don't think that's the way I would do it anymore, but it's the way they did it then. So this is the sort of thing that happened. God says, I know you're scared. I'll make a blood covenant with you. Go get the animals, get the river flowing, and I'll meet you at sundown. Genesis 15 tells what happens, though. For some reason, I don't know if it was designed or what happened, it doesn't say, Abram falls into a deep, deep sleep, and he sleeps through the whole thing. He misses it, like his alarm doesn't go off. He doesn't meet God at the river of blood. Darkness, it said, fall, fell heavily all over the land. And then it says, God shows up in the form of a blazing torch and a smoking fire pot, and he passed between the pieces. And on verse 18, it says, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. Now, can you follow this? This is tricky. Abraham's sleeping. Who passes, who, who strikes the covenant? God does. Who passes between the bloody animals? God does. Who makes the bloody oath? God does. Who didn't even show up? Abram. In those days, if a king made an oath with a servant, which happened pretty often, the king did not have to show up. Because everyone knew the king was good for it. But the servant would still show up and walk through. But here we find the reverse. It's the only time in recorded history where this kind of covenant is recorded where the king walks through, but the servant doesn't show up. Don't miss this, you guys. This is so profound. You see what's happening here? God is saying, if I fail to keep my end of the bargain and be trustworthy and faithful to you, I will pay with my blood. And then God says, and Abram, if you fail to keep your side of the bargain and be faithful to me, I will also pay with my blood. God makes himself responsible for both sides of the party, both sides of the covenant. I'll pay with my blood if I don't be faithful and keep my end, but I'll pay with my blood if you don't. And friends, this is one of the most beautiful and clearest pointers in the Old Testament to the Lord Jesus Christ, who centuries later would show up when we were all in a deep sleep under the cover of darkness, the Bible calls it sin, when we had no recourse, we're sleeping through the whole thing, and Jesus' own blood flowed down from the cross, and it created a river of God's faithfulness because we could not even, we can't justify ourselves. We can't prove ourselves faithful. What, what, was God's son dying on the cross because he hadn't kept his end of the deal? No. He was dying because we hadn't kept ours. And this is how much God loves you. We see, a, we see an example in the life of Abraham. It's pointing to the life of Jesus, which is the promise that is for all of us. It's for you, my friend. This is how much God loves you. He knows that you will fail. He knows that you're not always faithful. Anticipating that, he has made a covenant and has covered both sides of it so you can be covered. When you mess up, he will make it up. And that's good news. There's a lamb of God whose blood is flowing. And I know it sounds strange, but it just means this, that God loves you. And when you're not faithful, he still is. And he's given proof that he keeps his promises. And when you comprehend the commitment 
of a God like that, it gives you confidence to risk for a God like that. Because as we said, God is faithful despite our failures and we're to be faithful despite our fears. So Unstoppable Good has given us a chance to wrestle through all this and think about where we are. Well, a couple of friends, Kevin and Tanisha Brown, have um, been wrestling with this, and they were kind enough to sit down on camera and just talk about some of their life and what they've been thinking about over the last year. And uh, I think it'll help you as you think about how much you trust God. So go ahead and watch the screen. Are you Unstoppable Good Testimonies, Kevin and Tanisha, take one. This is so above and beyond what we've ever done, <laughs> ever done. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, God, there's no other way we can get through this. There were sleepless nights, stomachs churning. I'm like, I've got to take care of my parents here. I mean, this is what's going through my head. I got to do I, 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 you know? The unstoppable good came up. And I'm like, wow, okay, what are we going to do now? Burnout is such a is such a a powerful thing that not only just you know my generation we have such younger um, people in this community that are dealing with just burnout and it's 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 such an epidemic and I think with having us address that issue and letting them letting people know that it's okay to feel like that. But to know that God is there and He's going, to, and it's and it's and it's okay that He is that person that's going to to help you through this. You heard us mm -hmm. when when we came in. We told you what we were dealing with. We were respected. We were listened to, and yeah. and and we were not pressured. It was like okay, well, we just we, you know we just know. You know, we see something in you, and, we, and we'd love to have you plugged mm -hmm. in, but in your time, when you're ready. And I can't, I can't remember if it was Pastor Ben talking about um, this, but I remember, you know, something, to, you know, talking about, why are you trying to do God's job? Why are you, you're not God, you know, who makes you, why do you feel like you're so special that you have to do his job? You can't do his job. That's, it's his job to do that. And I have to lean and be faithful and know that he's going to take care of this. I, I do believe that he's put me in the right position. This is, you know, this is what he wants me to do. You know, he brought us here, you know, for a reason. What was in our spirit was, okay, you've been, you know, you've been wore out, you've been burned out, you need to be recharged, you need to be energized and so forth. And so when we came in, we sat. And we needed to be ministered to. We were so busy pouring out to everybody else and so forth that we needed to take some time for ourselves and be ministered to. But then we plugged into a couple of groups because we so wanted to you know, learn a little bit more about the ministry, what it was about, what all was going on. Um, I ended up getting baptized, and I just I used that as and as basically it was a rebirth. It, it was my rebirth, and you know, the uh, flame was reignited again. We were, we were driving, and we had filled out the card, you know, once, and we filled out, and we put a number down. And as we were driving there, I think we, we changed it again, I think, when we were driving there. And then as we're sitting there in the night, you know, and you're sitting in the auditorium, I think we changed it again, and we were increasing. I'm sitting here the whole time, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like, God, you're going to do this, right? You're going you're gonna to make this happen because... 
I don't know how else we're gonna get through this, but you're gonna make this happen. And he's like, you know, we, we got this. God through yeah. the Holy Spirit, you know, just, you know, you know, spoke to us and was kind of tugging at our hearts and said, you know what, you know, is that really your best gift? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, is that your best gift or whatever? You know, are you really going to trust me on this and so forth? I've got you. Yeah. And I just kept having, you know, hearing that kind of inner voice or whatever and having this calm. And I was like, you know, just test me and yeah. see. I got you. And he has, he's continued to bless us. We've, we've had, I'm not saying it's easy because none of this has been easy. We've had our ups and downs, but only with God. He's, he's only been able to see us through each and every obstacle that we've had so, thus far. So, you know, I'm so happy. And, I'm, and, and I, like I said, I love to serve. I love to be there and I love to help because it's, it's, it's in my spirit. It's in my heart to do that. And I like being able to go outside of these walls and do that and, and show God's love and show his, his kindness. And all he wants is your heart. And I, I want to be able to show that to others. And so I feel like that's something that Mountain stands for. And I see that when I walk into the doors on Sunday. I see it when I come and I, you know, I serve during the week. We're not just worried about the parishioners who are within the four walls. Mm -hmm. We are, you know, we understand that if we don't look after our community, you know, yeah. it's all for naught. So I'm just excited to think about what the future has to offer. What what needs will the community have yeah. mm -hmm. three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? Yeah, I know I want to be a part of it, but I also know, I know Mountain will want to be a part of it. The Mountain uh, Christian ministry tries to keep its finger on the pulse yeah. of where, you know, of what the community needs and where, where life is going. So. All right, it's fun to hear someone else kind of wrestle through their journey. You've got your own journey and you've got to a test of trust, you know, going on in your life right now, and this is probably, you know, run with it will be one of them. So let's go back to our takeaway statement for the day to leave, leave you with it. God is faithful despite our failures. So the past he's willing to make up for, and now he's wanting us to be faithful despite our fears. So maybe the most important question is, what are you afraid of? Because that fear, just like it kept Abraham from faith, can keep you from faith. And faith is what, it, is what God's looking for. Will you trust me? With every, every part of your life, every relationship, every aspect of your life, every decision you've got coming up, every struggle you're going through, every, every part, like, will you trust me? Do it my way. Let me be with you. Let me walk with you. Let's pray. God, we, we just pray that you'll help us to grow in trust. We want, to be a, we want to be followers of yours that really know you and love you, and we thank you for your amazing track record. I'm looking around this room. I see some faithfulness that you have shown over the years. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking of some of the life stories that are represented here, and it's just you are, you are faithful. All of our lives you've been faithful. You've shown your goodness. And yet sometimes we just hesitate to believe you'll do it again, that you're still with us, that you really will come through. So we want to get into that space where we let your past track record of faithfulness guide our steps so that we would trust you. 
And we know that you'll do beautiful things in that space, in our hearts and through the world as you bring blessing to us and through us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.